Hello and welcome to Balance City with your host, me, moi, Danielle. We're going to talk all about the juicy stuff, about relationships, about business, about mental health, all the things when it comes to the journey of life, right? And what you'll see along the way is no one's perfect. We all have our shit, (laughs) to be frankly honest. And I am so thankful that you're here to be on this journey with me. And I'm going to have some epic guests sharing their story. And I just cannot wait to get this started. So let's go. Hello and welcome back. I am so excited that you guys are here. And today I have a pretty incredible, inspiring story and incredible, inspiring woman. And I cannot wait to share her with you. Her name is Christina Flack. And I'm just going to pass you the mic, Christina, before we get into the (laughs) nitty gritty of it. Just just like give a little intro and then we'll get into all the things. Okay. Well, it's so nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, My name is Christina Flack. I am a celebrity makeup artist. I am the CEO and creator of Pretty Girl Makeup. I am the mother of five. I am also the widow of Ken Flack, who was the number one uh, doubles player with his partner, Rob Seguso, uh, in tennis. And he passed away in 2018. And so since then, I have been a sepsis awareness advocate which was the disease that he passed from. And I've also kind of segued, and I don't even know how this happened, but speaking about grieving in a positive way. Mm. Um, I've had quite a bit of experience, unfortunately, dealing with grief, starting with my mother and my grandparents, and then my son, Bo, passed away, and then my husband passed away, and my business partner passed away after that. So I have had quite a bit of experience dealing with that. I went to a grief camp after he passed, and really learned some tools that helped me deal with grieving in a a way that was not going to just obliterate my life because grief, you know, as a mother and as a business person, my life and my, how I am in emotionally affects so many people. And if I'm not in an emotionally good place, my kids are affected, my, my coworkers, my, you know, everything. So after uh, Ken died, I really hunkered down and became more disciplined than I normally am. I started exercising twice a day, eating really well, because grief is one of those things that when you're extremely tired or hungry, everything seems so much worse. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so I do a lot of different things. (laughs) No, I mean, first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I I could resonate with, with... not with your actual story, obviously, but I had a sister that passed away from cancer when I was only four years old and she was nine. So oh my gosh, I understand. I'm so sorry. I, and then you dealt with your parents and, yeah. you know, and how they're trying to deal with it and try and be normal. And it's so, you know, lo- losing a child, especially so young, it's just, it's just, I don't even know. It's paralyzing almost. And, you know, mm-hmm. it affects, it made you a different person. Do you have other siblings? No, it's just me. Oh, it's just wow. Me. Yeah. So it, I, I mean, I definitely, it, like you just said, it definitely has changed me. It's, it's made me really um, purposeful in my life. And I think for you, I think you're doing such incredible things with, with the loss of your husband. It, you became this incredible advocate, right? So kind of let's, let's talk about that first. Like okay. what, I mean, 
what kind of what kind of things are you doing to spread this awareness? Well, I do a lot of podcasts, TV, radio. I have started an educational foundation at the Northern Lights School for my son, Bo, and for my husband, Ken. I started a garden with my friend, Lisa Zimmer, at the Edna McGuire School in Mill Valley, California. Uh, that's an outdoor classroom named after my son that there's a garden and there's chickens and fruit trees. And it's so great because kids from kindergarten through fifth grade are planting seeds and watching them grow. And then they harvest it and then they do science experiments or they cook with it. And I feel that education and nutrition are so incredibly important to start at a young age with children that if you we can get them loving to grow vegetables and pull a carrot out of the ground and eat it at a young age, they're going to be more inclined to do that as they grow older. And I feel that, you know, starting at a young age, if they can start eating well, that they're going to have a much happier, healthier life. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I kind of want to get into the, like, through that journey with your husband, like what kind of, because this disease, I mean, it's, it it was, it's a terrible disease. It is. Um, and that I know of it. Is it, does it start in the hospital or? No, it actually, well, it can start anywhere. Actually it starts with an infection. Sepsis is an infection of the blood. Right. Right. So it starts with some sort of an infection in your body, whether it being a an infected tooth or a cut, or as my husband had bronchitis, which turned into pneumonia. That's how his started. So that's how it starts, but it attacks your vital organs. So it's, that's what's so important about that. I'm trying to raise awareness. You know Mm -hmm. how, when you get a cold, you'll go to bed at night and go, Oh, I'll go to the doctor tomorrow. If I don't feel better. Well, you can't do that with sepsis. So if you have any of the symptoms, Either you're incredibly warm or you're incredibly cold. There's at the sepsis.org website, you can see a little square thing that says time. And what time is T is for temperature, hot or cold. I is for infection in some form of your body. M is for mental decline. You're just, they can't really rouse. They're not, it's starting to affect their mental state. And E is for excruciating pain. So you feel like you're dying because you actually are, your organs are mm. shutting down. So if you can get, if you have any of these symptoms, go to the emergency, get a blood test. And it's a little confusing because if you're, you're either hot or you're cold. So sometimes people don't even realize you have sepsis. So another thing that I've really learned is to, if someone tells you, I had this happen with a friend of mine, her husband had these symptoms, she went to the, an emergency with him and they said, oh no, he doesn't have sepsis. And then she called and said, well, they think he doesn't. And I said, get the blood test and let that decide. And thank Mm -hmm. God she did because he was septic. So if he hadn't been tested and gotten on an IV antibiotic, he would have passed away as well. So there isn't a tomorrow with sepsis. It is today. Mm -hmm. Deal with it today. And if you don't feel that the doctor is listening to you, you have to be your biggest advocate. You have to say, no, I want the blood test or get another opinion because you don't, I don't want anyone else to feel what I feel or my children feel or Ken's children feel. So. And I think that you're, you're, I, like I said, you're an incredible, incredible advocate for that. And I think, yeah, I mean, and I think that sometimes when it comes to this type of stuff, people are afraid to speak out and to bring awareness to these things. Definitely. Because they don't know, they don't know where to start or they're just like have fear of. 
Oh, you don't want to question a doctor because you, Ken and I wouldn't have done that either. We, we said, if the doctor says, well, then that's just what it is. But now I, I am not like that anymore. I'm definitely much more proactive than I would have been. So that like, let's talk about that, like being proactive and, and, and putting yourself out there and sharing what you need to share with the world. What kind of tips could you give to those people that are afraid to, to share when they know they have a message to be told? I think everyone is different. For example, my ex-husband is much more private and it's very hard for him to deal with the grief of our son passing. And it Mm. used to really bother me that he wasn't more involved with my foundations or the garden. But what I realized was that it's just so incredibly painful for him, the loss of our son, that he just can't. And it's not that he doesn't love Bo or want to honor him. It's just too painful for him to even think about the loss of him and how it's affected Mm. our lives. So I have to respect that. And that is another thing that I have learned, not to be so judgmental with how I'm grieving that I should expect him to grieve in the same way. So Mm. I think that's one thing that I have learned. Uh, I think, so I'm sorry, what was your question again? No, no, no. I I guess what, like, what tips could you give to those people that are afraid to like speak out and be that proactive person? I think it's something that they either are comfortable doing or not comfortable doing. I think it, I don't know if I probably wouldn't have done it myself if I hadn't been asked by the Sepsis Alliance. And if my husband wasn't a celebrity, you know, a celebrity kind of, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. famous, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a famous athlete that people would want to hear me. If I was just a normal person that their husband passed away, I don't think I'd be getting interviewed quite as often as I am. So I'm, I, I'm aware that it definitely, so I'm, I've tried to teach my kids that you don't get to just be, get free tickets and free things when you're related to someone that is a professional athlete. Cause there are a lot of perks. Sometimes you need to do things that are uncomfortable. It is, would not have been my first choice to be speaking out. Cause I am much more, I'm a makeup artist. I'm a CEO. I don't typically want to be in front of the camera, but to me, I want to honor my husband and my son. So I've learned to get more comfortable doing these things that I was very uncomfortable doing. So I was interviewed not too long ago by these two therapists in Los Angeles. And it was so interesting. They were talking about post-traumatic shock that you, that one gets after the loss. But then they said, you know, you have been doing, you have post-traumatic growth, which I thought was such an interesting Mm, thing to say, because I feel that I have gotten to be a definite better version of myself, that I'm more content or I'm more comfortable speaking publicly about these things, uh, trying to grieve in a positive way and share that experience that I have had by starting the foundation, starting the garden, doing these podcasts. But everyone is different and not everyone would be comfortable doing what I do. So I guess people should just, if they're comfortable doing this, they can do it in different ways. You can... Go read to children. I don't know. Everyone is is different, and no, doing those like doing those slow steps to do it. No, I, I totally and, yeah. And grieving, as you know, it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. There's days or you don't, as you know, and your family knows, you don't get over the loss of someone. You learn to manage it, and you learn to deal with it. Some days are harder than others. You know, Bo's 
anniversary of his passing was Christmas Day. And so that Mm -hmm. day kind of triggers me. I'm a little bit more emotional than other days. But I try to be grateful for the time I had with my son, grateful for the time I had with Ken, and focus on all the great things in my life. I had another lady interview me, and she it was on the Doctor Channel on Syria. Uh-huh. And she uh-huh. said, she, I didn't know she was speaking of me. I was waiting to get interviewed. And she said, oh, we have this really interesting guest. She's had the most tragic life. And I thought, oh, I wonder who that is. And she said it was me. And I, I was flabbergasted. <laughs> I thought, wow, I've had tragedies, but my life right. is certainly not tragic at all. Absolutely and and that would mean I failed and I'm will- wallowing on the floor crying and mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. So I respectfully said, I'm going to disagree with what you've said about my tragic life because it's not. And it's good for it. Good for you. And good for you. I don't, for standing I, yeah, for because I thought, my gosh, I don't want anyone feeling sorry for me. I, I don't know if you had this experience, but I remember after my husband died and my son died, people would look at me all the time and they tilt their head and go, how are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> I was standing there totally normal, not hysterical. And I, I, it was so offensive to me and I don't know why. I think, well, definitely I could, I can resonate with that hundred percent. And, and like that, like, because they don't know what to say. That's true. People don't know what to say. It's so, and I, you're right. And I know, and I know when it comes to, I don't know if you've dealt with this too, but you had, I had some family members and friends, like close, close friends that kind of, drifted away that after is the fact. A hundred percent. And I've learned to understand that a little bit more as the years gone by because they don't know what to say. They don't know how to approach it. But I can I don't know if you can attest to this, but I can attest to we want that phone call. We still want we want to we want to know that we have that friendship with I you. think what happens, the people it's so funny. I was talking about this yesterday. The people that you think are going to be the most helpful actually are grieving on their own about this. So it's kind of hard for them to to comfort you when they're kind of dealing with their grief with like the loss of my husband. Like some of my friends were super close with him and some of them that I thought would be a little bit more there weren't. And then perfect strangers that I was friendly with, but not like my, my core friends ended up really showing up with food or just coming and sitting with me. And so that was interesting, but you're Mm -hmm. right. No one knows how to handle. We are so ill-prepared as a culture to deal with death. It's insane to me. We are, we, the best part is people don't think it's going to happen to them. Like they're never going to, in their mind, oh, I'm not losing anyone. Yes. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. are. You're going to lose your husband. You could possibly possibly lose your brother or sister or a sibling or a friend or a million things, but we actually think, well, if I die, no, no, it's not an if it's when, right. And you have to prepare yourself for that. Like it's, it's just the reality. And I totally, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I totally agree with you. It's not natural to think I'm going to lose one of my children. You just can't even, you don't even want to think that I I could never have fathomed that my, one of my children dying. I just, it's not possible, but no, it was. But I wanted to, so I'm going to pivot a little bit sure. to your uh, your other avenue of your incredible work, which is your your makeup, right? You're an incredible, incredible celebrity makeup artist. So Thank you. How, how did that even come about? Like, what was your vision for that? 
I don't think I had a vision for that. <laughs> it started. Perfect. My mom had, when I was growing up, my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer when I was really young. And I remember one night she was going on a date with my father and I said, mom, I'm going to fix you up like your face all pretty. I had no idea what I was doing and she hardly had any makeup, but she had some foundation and some other things. And I evened out her skin and she looked beautiful. And what resonated with me so much was how it made her feel how happy she was. And I love that feeling. So I started doing makeup on friends and family. And then someone would refer me to a photographer and I started that and then miraculously got an agent. And then I started Pretty Girl. And it's kind of, it was definitely not, I wasn't 10 years old and thought, oh, I want to be a makeup artist. I don't even think I knew that there was such a thing as a makeup artist. And I certainly didn't think you could like make money doing that. So it's so interesting. What is the saying? Uh, life is what happens when we plan or, or if when we don't plan. I forget, but it's kind of like that. I did not plan that it happened, but I'm so glad it did. I love what I do. It's so much fun. And that's what's so important is that you love what you do, right? Love, like love I, I, you wake up every day and you're like, you, you're ready to go to work. You're happy. You're excited. For my, my selfishness, who was probably your favorite person that you did makeup on? They're all my favorite. <laughs> But pretend they're not oh, listening. Gosh. <laughs> I'm going to just tell you a bunch of them that I'm, I just love to pieces. Tyler Florence, uh, mm-hmm. Isaiah Washington, Roger Lodge, Hillary Swank, Condoleezza Rice, Journey Metallica, Gucci, Louis Vuitton. I love them all. They're so much fun. And I have models that I work with that are amazing. I, I really enjoy... That is the bless. It's kind of like which kid is your favorite? The one that's not right. me the most, but my uh, of my clients, I enjoy, they're all so special, and I spend so much time with them that it's kind of like being at camp. Like I've been Tyler Florence's groomer, makeup artist for fifteen years, and we're super close friends. I'm super close with his wife. My kids call him Uncle Tyler and Aunt Tolid. So love that. It's like, it's so fun when I get to go do a shoot with him because we laugh so hard and Isaiah's fabulous. And I would, I did a TV show with Isaiah for Fox called Kitchen Talk. And I met this actor named Roger Lodge. And then he ended up calling me a year later and had me come down to LA to shoot a commercial with him. And he and I are really good friends. So it's, it's just, it's great. It's a really fun job. It's not, it's not all fun and games. I will say that it's intense. You're on your feet. It's long hours. You start early in the day. You've got to be in a good, positive way because you're, I think it's easier for me because I'm a mother and I'm not, I'm used to not, I'm used to taking care of people. So I enjoy that. And I think um, entrepreneurship in general is not an easy, it's not an, not an easy foot, right? Like there, I mean, and people can sugarcoat it and whatnot, but it's, it's hard work, yeah. but once you see those accomplishments, that's what this, that's what it's for. Absolutely. That's what it's made of. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap it up, I did want to, I love asking this question because I love the answers that I get. I can't wait. And I don't think you have, I don't think you have yet, if I'm not mistaken, but if you ever wrote a book, what would the title of your book be? I don't know why it's coming to me. She survived. <laughs> I love that. I She's love survived. that. Yeah. You're probably the fastest person that got their title. <laughs> I mean, it literally just came into my head. 
<laughs> I hadn't really thought about it. No, why, no, why that? Why she survived? Just, it's so funny. I'm at my cousin's house in Carmel Valley right now. And my aunt was just saying to me, she's like, I just can't even believe all the stuff that's gone on in your life. Your baby, your mom, your husband, like, I don't know how you've done it. And I'm, I just thought that's why it popped into my head because I kind of had a conversation with my aunt like 20 minutes ago about that. Well, no, I can, I can see that in the bookshelves now for sure. I think that needs to be, I'll I'll work on that. (laughs) Yes. Definitely, definitely. And I'll be the first one to purchase oh, you're it for so sure. <laughs> um, and I kind of wanted to also ask you in regards to partnership. When, when your husband was, was still alive and you were doing your business as well, correct? Like you were, uh-huh. you were doing your, right? And he's this, you know, famous tennis player, right? Mm-hmm. How was that partnership? Because you guys were kind of, it was similar, but yet different. But how did you guys work together? I think, well, my husband had such incredible success as a tennis player, winning Wimbledon and being number one in the world, that by the time he retired, he was like so proud of me. He would always say that I was the famous one. And Mm. I would be like, are you crazy? And he's like, well, you're the one that's in a magazine all the time, not me. And so I think because he had those successes, he was really proud of me and didn't feel threatened or weird about it. So, and then when we would go into his world and to, you know, if we went to an event with Davis cup or back to the U S open or Wimbledon or something, it was great to see how people loved him and how mm. he was so special to so many people. So it was fun. No, I, I love that because I know that that could be, it could be like a different situation, right? When, even if you could be in the same but yet different industries, but you're kind of in the same level. It could be hard. It could be. be. And I think a lot of people would not be comfortable being with me because my life is public, because of who I was married to. There are people that would feel really uncomfortable with me, I think. Mm-hmm. I've had mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. tell me that. So, But the right person isn't. The person that I'm with now, he doesn't care. Like He's very right. proud of me and isn't threatened or anything. He, you know, he thinks it's fantastic what I do and is my, he is my big cheerleader. And I think that's the key. I think that's like, you need to find that person that balances you. Right. That is the, your, right person, that is your the right person is not threatened by my career or my husband right. or my life. The right person is, is feels comfortable in their skin and therefore comfortable with being with me. Love it. Love it. Now, if my listeners want to reach out to you, share all this, like your social media, share what you're doing that they can connect with you because I know that they're going to want to connect you, with you after this episode. Okay. So <laughs> if you want to find me, you can go to christinaflack.com to look at my portfolio or prettygirlmakeup.com. Uh, Instagram, Christina Flack Makeup. Pretty Girl Makeup is at P-R-E-T-T-Y-G-I-R-L-M-K-U-P. Uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook. And there is a 25% discount with Pretty Girl as a discount code if anyone wants to go to the website to purchase anything. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Well, Christina, I really, really appreciate you just like Aww. taking the time and sitting down with me. Of course. And I just want you to know that you're just, a, you're, you're an inspiration to me. Oh, I mean, just this, Thank just a small conversation that we had. I feel already a connection with you and I can't oh, well, wait thank to. Thank you. 
I hope to we share can, this offline. That's fantastic. Well, I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Perfect. Well, if you guys loved, loved this episode, please tag the two of us. We'll share it on our socials. We'll show you some love. But thank you again, Christina. Thank you, darling. Have a good day. 